So I want to ask you a question. Why do you come to church? Why do you come to church? Even better, why did you come to church this morning? Okay. You're sitting in bed, the alarm went off. Why did you get up out of bed to come to church? Right. Is it because that's what Christians are supposed to do? Uh, is it because you enjoy it? You heard we have cotton candy and a balloon animal person. Okay. What, what is it? What is it that got you out of bed where you chose to come to church? Right. I think there are a lot of reasons why a person can come to church. And did you know God has a reason for us to come to church? Very simply, because God wants us to grow. God wants us to grow. And last week, last week I talked about this idea of church community. And I told you that church community is the soil for spiritual growth. Church community is the soil for spiritual growth. You can try to grow other places. And you might grow a little bit. But it either won't work, won't last, burn out. Because the way God designed it was that church community was the best place to grow. Okay, now I'm not saying that every church is the best place for every person. Right? You may have had some experiences that were not so great. Or where you did not grow. That's okay. We all kind of have a little bit of that in our past, in our story. But the right church community for the right person is the best place to grow. So that's where we started last week. And that message is up online, riverlifemn.com. You're welcome to, to go check it out. Catch up if you missed last week. But this week, I want to give you a vision of what it would actually look like to grow in church community. Because it might be great being like, okay, well, that's really cool, Greg. Okay, I like the whole soil and the little planter. That's kind of neat. But what do I do? I can come here on Sunday morning, but then what do I actually do? So today, today's a little bit different because I'm going to give you two very practical ways. They're two of four things that we've been talking around about River Life here about how to grow. Now, we're not very original in our names, so we're very simply calling these the four ways to grow at River Life. You like that? I worked all week on that name. Because <laughs> we want to be as clear and plain and simple to you guys. That these are four ways to grow at River Life. And they're a little sequential, but not necessarily. But they do have a little progression to them. And these things are so important. Today we're going to talk about two of them. Next week we're going to talk about two of them. Because it would just be way too much to talk about all four of them on one Sunday. And quite honestly, man, I want like a balloon giraffe and some cotton candy, okay? So we're just going to talk about two of them today and two more next week. So, so to give you the big picture, here are all four of them. Here are the four ways to grow at River Life. Attend more than you miss. Attend more than you miss. Okay? Connect in a life group. Serve on a ministry team and tell others. Attend more than you miss, connect in a life group, serve on a ministry team, and tell others. Now, these are not my ideas. These didn't come out of some church planting 101 book. Okay? These aren't American ideas. These aren't Hmong ideas. These are God's ideas. These four things have been a fundamental part 
of following God for as long as people have been following God. These are fundamental. The the Bible talks straight up about all four of these. And that's what we're going to hear about in the next two weeks. Is what is God's vision for a church? And what does it look like to grow as a part of a church family? as a member of a church. Periodically, I'll get asked that. I'll I'll get asked about membership at River Life. And you know what? Right now, we don't have membership. We will eventually. We we will down the road. But right now, I want to give you a vision, especially if you've had kind of a negative response to the, the term membership. I want to give you another vision. What does it look like to grow? Because wouldn't it be a tragedy for you to come here every Sunday, maybe three out of four Sundays, month after month, and year after year, and stay exactly the same. I mean, that would just, that that would be missing out on so much of what God desires for you. So we don't want to be a church that stays the same. We want to be a church that grows individually and collectively. So that's why we're talking about four ways to grow at River Life. So, um, so we're going to start with the first two, as I mentioned, okay, the first two, attend more than you miss and connect in a life group. And to help me out, I'm actually going to have Tommy Lore, one of our interns that you met earlier in service, to talk a little bit about this first one of attend more than you miss. Hello. So have you ever been on a trip or vacation where you just wish it would never end? And when it finally ended, you were just so disappointed because you had to go back home? Well, two weeks ago, I was at the River Life Retreat, and man, I loved it. I was with you guys, I was connecting, going out on the lake, and I was having great conversations. But just like that, at the end of the retreat, I had to face the bitter fact that the retreat was coming to an end. See, part of me was so sad to come back, to come back to the norm, the normal life of busyness, of being stressed and exhausted. And I started to understand on my way back from the retreat why we all look forward so much to vacations. You know, it doesn't matter if it's the entertainment that you receive or the rest, but vacations, they have this ability to give refreshment and renewal. But the honest truth is that every day is not a vacation. Vacations are meant to be temporary. And if you love breaks, I'm guessing that you're not getting enough, especially with the start of school. I mean, I feel like I need a break already. So what happens then? Where do we find refreshment and renewal when we can't go on a vacation? I mean, wouldn't it be great if we can find that sense of refreshment from not, and even though we're not going on a vacation? Wouldn't it be better if we could experience it weekly? I mean, imagine how different life could be and how much growth and joy you would have if that was the case. I believe that renewal and revival is essential to our well-being. 
And I think God knew that too. That's why he gave us the environment of the church. But in order for us to receive this renewal, this refreshment, we have to be present. See, earlier Greg skimmed through four essentials, four ways to grow that we can take on. Today I want to talk about our first growth, our first step towards growth. Attending more than you wish. So I want you, I want you to reflect on this question. Do you attend River Life more than you miss? See, in the book of Hebrews, it addresses this idea of attending more than you miss and explains to us why it's so important. In the passage that we are going to read, the author tells us about something quite amazing. He explains that because of the death of Jesus on the cross, we have this ability to go before God, and believers from everywhere are able to directly worship him and pray to him. Because before Jesus' death on the cross, we were separated from God, and we were not able to do that. So the author, in view of this, he goes on to give three instructions to his viewers, to us, of what we should do as a result. The first instruction includes our interaction with God. He says, draw near to God. And the second instruction, he says, hold on to the promises God has given you. See, I want us to focus on the third instruction, though. I want us to slow down and to observe what it says because it talks about how community should be. In verse 24, it says, Let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds. It shows us right here how we are to how we are supposed to interact with one another. See, he gives us one action and one goal. The action to spur or to motivate one another towards this goal of love shown through good deeds. And it's interesting how it's like this cycle of I'm giving and you receive, and as you receive, I give too. And we are supposed to be dependent and helping one another to spur each other towards this goal. So now as we understand that as a community, when we gather together, that we're supposed to spur one another towards this love, this goal, let's move on to verse 25 because it gives us a very important ingredient on how to do this. It says, not giving up, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, we're given two things to help us successfully get to our goal of love and good deeds. One being being present and another is encouragement. See, there's a few things that it says here in verse 25 that when you neglect the meeting of believers, you miss out. The first thing is that you miss out on your responsibility to spur one another and be spurred. How can you be spurred if you're not present? Or how can you spur another if you're not there, if you're, if you're not around anyone else? 
The second thing that you miss when you're not present with a community of believers is that you miss out on what's meant to be good for you. You see, the interesting thing about love, good deeds, and encouragement is that it includes another person for that to happen. You need another person to love. You need another person to show this good deed to. You need a person to encourage. And by neglecting the meeting and coming together, it causes you to miss out on the renewing and growth that you need in the community. So in all of this, I think that Hebrews has a point that it addresses an important fact about life. And it is this. Mirrors were never meant to love us. People were. See, people are the ones who build us. Mirrors don't do that. Have you ever realized that you can never see yourself as someone sees you? I mean, you might try to look in different directions or you might turn your head, but you'll never see how your neighbor sees you. But when you are by yourself, a mirror becomes pretty handy, right? Because it gives you a glimpse of how people might see you. But the thing about a mirror is that it has a limitation. A mirror can only reflect, reflect what the viewer wants to see. See, there's, there's two things that a person can see when they look into a mirror. One option is that they might look into the mirror and they might see their flaws. They might see that they've grown a bare belly. I have in the last few years. That's what I see. Or they might see that they forgot to shave this morning. They might see that their body is not good enough, that their hair doesn't split the right way. Or the other option that a person sees when they look into a mirror is that, man, I'm perfect, man. I look good. Because I like the way my muscles look, my muscles look in the mirror. I like the way my teeth glitters in the mirror when I smile, or maybe when my dimples show. And the issue with this perspective is that they only see the perfection and they fall in love with themselves, not knowing that they actually have flaws. I don't know what you see when you look into a mirror. But this is where the mirror falls short. The mirror cannot love us. The mirror cannot give us words that we need to hear. It is only when we're with another person that we can get of affirmation and confirmation. It's only when we're with another person where we can be corrected and loved, when our flaws can be seen and yet we're accepted. See, it's only when we're with another person that we can land between these two different spectrums of self-hate and conceit. And the thing is, when we land in the middle, that is where we grow best. That is where, where we can go and something can happen. That is why it's so important 
to attend more than you miss because you'll be around people. See, the Bible never says that you have to consistently attend church service, but it does say, say that we should not neglect the coming together of believers. See, a river life, our coming together of believers is here on Sunday. And so in order for you to, to master this first growth, you have to be present here at River Life. As I said in the beginning, attending more than you miss is meant to maximize our opportunity to grow here at River Life. So if you don't take the first step, we essentially miss the best part about being church we miss out on growing. See, I'm not sure where you are today with your pattern of growth. But maybe today, the first step of attending more than you miss is for you. But once you take this first step, it should lead you deeper. It should lead you to connect with others. And so Greg is going to come back up here and explain to us what is this next step. Thanks, Tommy. Hey, if you were encouraged by that, let's give this guy a hand. His first time teaching at River Life, great job, man, great job. Well, there you go. So that's the first step. You've got, you've got to be here. You've got to attend. Attend more than you miss. Because, again, what's the other option? You miss more than you attend? Like, who wants that to be their church life? Yeah, I miss more than I attend. Yeah, pretty proud of that. No, okay? So that's step one. But now what happens? What's next? So the next step in, this, in these ways to grow is to connect in a life group. Connect in a life group. Okay? Now, first of all, what is a life group? Okay? First of all, for anyone, if you are in a life group right now, I want you to raise your hand. Okay? If you are, okay? So if, if you don't have your hand up, look around. Every week, these people, you can put them down now. I was just going to have you leave them up. All, no, okay. All of these people get together, seven different groups all around the week, all around the cities, and they get together. They get together in small groups of generally eight to 12, sometimes a little less, sometimes even more, okay, to get together to do a couple things, to study the Bible together. Not be taught the Bible like on a Sunday morning, but to study and discuss the Bible together. And then the other one is to do life together. Okay? So if life group, this idea of a life group is kind of a new thing for you, I want to show you. So this is a, this is a life group. Okay? That's, that's at our house. That's me. You can tell this was winter because I was in my, like, my flannel jammies and stuff. Okay? So this is a life group. Here's another life group. Here's one of our guys' groups. Okay? Um, yeah, you like that one? That's half of uh, Matt Tao's face over there. That's one of our, that's Chong's guy's life group. Okay, here's another life group here. Okay, around some hot pot. Here's a, here's life group, was one of our ladies' life groups, doing hot pot together one evening. Okay, these are all life groups. Okay, and every week, we've got, around River Life, we've got about 30 or 40 people every week who are in homes Laughing together, crying together, reading scripture together, praying for one another, and doing life together. And the, the, this idea of life group, this is fundamental to the existence of River Life. In fact, this was having life groups a part of our church 
was the second thing we decided about River Life, that we would do something on Sundays and we would have life groups. And the reason for that is that I believe and I have seen in my own life firsthand and in the lives of others around me that life groups are transformative for people. Life groups is where real life change happens. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Sunday mornings, okay? I love sharing God's Word. I love kind of doing goofy stuff up here. I love that. I love coming together as you all encourage one another and love one another and spur one another on to good deeds. I love that. But you know what? Life change rarely happens here on Sunday morning. Life change happens with a small group of people you trust who know you and you know them. That's where God does the real powerful work of transformation in life groups. That's why they're so important to us. That's why we've built them in. I I describe it to people when when, when I'm talking with strangers and they ask me about River Life. I describe um, life groups as the backbone of our church. It is the backbone of discipleship, which is kind of a Christian word of saying growing in your relationship with God. That's how important life groups are around here. And there's a reason they're so important. There's a reason, and it's not because I've been in good life groups. It's not because other people. I've seen other people in grow in life groups. You know why life groups are so important around here? Is because that's how God designed us to grow. God designed us. He created us to be in close relationship with people. And I don't know about you, but I certainly cannot be in close relationship with all of you each Sunday. Okay? We're too big for that. That's why we need life groups. That's why you need life groups. And it's amazing this picture of what can happen in life groups. And nowhere, nowhere in Scripture is this painted better than in the birth of the church. So so I want want you to kind of go along with me here. So we're going to go about less than two months after Jesus' death and resurrection. Jesus was crucified, resurrected, less than two months There are all the disciples gathering together, and they encounter this miraculous experience with the Holy Spirit. They receive the Holy Spirit, which was God in them that Jesus promised to every one of them, to every one of his followers, including you. They received the Holy Spirit in this miraculous event. And then all of a sudden, Peter, who was the leader at the time, he was kind of the the head honcho disciple guy, he got up and gave just one humdinger of a sermon. It was so good and so clear and so convicting, 3,000 people chose to follow Jesus after that sermon. I don't know about you, but I've never had had 3,000 people up here after one of my sermons. I've maybe had like 3,000 people go out for lunch. Okay? But never had 3,000 people choose to follow Christ after a sermon. But that's what happened after Peter's. Because God was present, the Holy Spirit was moving, miracles were seen, God's power was evident. And that moment was the birth of what we would call the modern church. So it's recorded in Acts 2. Okay, so I'm going to read a little section, and it's a descriptive section about what life was like 
in the birth of the church. So if you want to follow along, it's going to be in Acts 2. It'll also be up on the screen. I'm going to hit the end of the chapter, starting in verse 42. They, referring to all the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now this picture, <coughs> excuse me, I'm fighting off a little cough, so I apologize if you, if you hear something nasty come through there. Here we go. So th this, this paints a picture of a truth about life. There is a truth about life whether you're in church or out of church. No matter where you are, there's a truth about life. Life together is life for the better. Life together is life for the better. Don't believe me? Psychology supports this. Sociology supports this. The business world supports it. There's not an ounce of research out there that says living isolated is better than living with others. Multidisciplinary, multi-field years of research support this idea that life together is life for the better. And when you know where you do life together? In life groups. By the way, that's actually why we call them life groups. Because these go by lots of names. Small groups, cell groups, home groups, okay, affinity groups. No, no. We, we, we call them life groups. Because this is where you do life together. Because life together is life for the better. And if you've ever been really isolated and really alone, you know that. You know it to be true. That life with others is better. And again, I'm not saying life with everyone is always better. <laughs> there are a few folks who you might have around in your life where life with them is not better. <laughs> life is more anxiety-producing. Life is more guilt-ridden. Life is more miserable. But with the right group of people who love you and trust you and encourage you, life together is life for the better. And picture this image of the, of the early church. Wasn't that an amazing description? Imagine if you could live in that type of community. Here are just a few of the things that was going on that, that this passage talked about. People cared for one another's needs and had their needs cared for. There was unity, joy. People were in awe of God working. People met together in large groups and people met together in small groups. People ate meals together. They hung out in people's homes. Their hearts were glad and sincere. I mean, come on. Who wouldn't want to live in, a, in something like that? I would love that. And that's what life groups, when they're done well, when they're done right, that's what life groups do. That's what life groups do. And we work hard to do life groups well here at River Life. We spend a lot of time with our life group leaders, 
it, month, six months of training even to step into leading a life group, regular mentoring, regular training, because we want our life groups to be great experiences for every person who walks through the door. Right? And so, so when we look at this early church, there's a word that is often used to describe this period, this description, this exact paragraph. And some of you may have even run across it before. It's, I'm going to teach you a little Greek this morning. You, you up for some Greek? So this Greek word is called koinonia. Okay, koinonia. And often this, this word is used to describe this little paragraph that I read. And in the Bible, this word koinonia is translated as fellowship. Okay, there's a problem with the word fellowship. Unless you're watching a Lord of the Rings movie, chances are you will never use the word fellowship. <laughs> so it's kind of a church word. Christians love fellowship. But like, really, what is fellowship? So for me, that's not a very helpful translation or definition of that word koinonia. So I'm going to get down to a little bit of the Greek here for you. So the root of the Greek here is actually really cool. The root of the Greek is common sharing, a commonness. In fact, when the passage said they had everything in common, that was the same, the koino root of koinonia. So in that passage, it actually had this word twice. That's how important it was. So this sense of commonness, of sharing, of having things in common. Um, so that one's a, a little odd of a definition. So here's an expanded one that might, might clarify it for you. It's sharing together with others. Koinonia, this Greek word, sharing together with others. You can't have koinonia at home by yourself watching TV land. Okay? It doesn't work. You can watch some great 80s TV shows, but you're not going to have koinonia. Because koinonia fundamentally means have with others around you. And there's this common sharing. And that's what happens in life groups. We share the process of reading and understanding scripture. We share the common struggles that we have. We live that commonness, that we live that common life with one another. You find you're not alone. You find that there are other people who had a really crappy week at work also. And you can kind of laugh and cry about it. But that's what happens in life groups. That's why River Life needs life groups. And to be honest, that's why you need life groups also. That's why you need life groups. Because life together is life for the better. And I want you, God wants you to have a better life. And that happens in life groups. So you've heard two of the ways to grow at River Life so far. Attend more than you miss and connect in a life group. So what do you do with these? I'm going to ask the question of what's your next step? What's your next step? Maybe for you it means, I got to drag myself out of bed a few more Sundays. Because maybe you're showing up once, twice, you're missing more than you're attending, and you're missing out on all of that love, encouragement, spurring one another on. You're missing out on all of that. And you know the other thing? We're missing out on you. 
We're missing out on your love and your encouragement. River life actually suffers when you are not here because we lose out on what you bring to church. Yeah, you miss out on some stuff, but you know what? I've been shot. <laughs> but you miss out on some stuff also. <laughs> okay? That's why you need to attend more than you miss. So for some of you, maybe that's your next step. Now, some of you, maybe you already attend three, four, five days a week. Maybe you hold your own River Life service in your living room. I don't know. Okay? Maybe you attend six times a month. Okay? But maybe, maybe your next step is are you connected with a group of people who love you, who you love, who trust you, who will, and you'll develop that love and trust with? Maybe you're not connected with another close, small group of Christ followers. And if that's you, my challenge to you is, it's time to join a life group. It's time to join a life group. We've got seven of them that run right now, and we're actually going to be adding a few more coming in a couple more weeks, and you're going to hear more about that in just a sec. But I, so, so I want to give a little bit of a plug for life groups. We're going to do this with a couple things. First is I've got a video here that we're going to play in a moment where it's a couple of the guys. Remember that guy's life group over here with, with Matt Tao's gigantic head? Okay? That life group kind of started actually as a life group that I led long before River Life existed. So a few years ago, I, I sat down some of the guys and we asked them some questions about their experience in life group. And we thought we'd share that with you. The video is about six minutes, so sit back, enjoy, and hear some stories about life group from some of the guys here at River Life. It was uh, Greg and I's relationship. We would usually uh, kind of just meet up one-on-one -on -one and like work out together or for this instance, we were training for a marathon, and I was in high school actually, and I was very interested in having a mentor in my life before I went to college. So I uh, asked Greg and kind of brought it up to his attention that I would love to be mentored by him. Eventually, that would evolve into a small group. And there's nothing for me at church, um, and you know, just to to hear that you know we're going to do life together and read the Bible together with a group of guys. So yeah, I'm in. I know that I really wanted to get more involved in small groups because I was I was missing community. I was missing um, that intimate piece where I could I could learn I could learn better with other other individuals. I didn't really know the guys who started it, and they just called me up one night and they said they're going to meet and uh, study the Bible. And I said, sure. The time commitment thing was. One of those things where it kind of just gradually grew on me because I, I wanted to be here with these guys. So, uh, you know, it was it was very simple after a few months that I knew that I wanted to commit. Once we all got the feeling that we all wanted to be there, it made it a lot easier to say, yeah, it's every Thursday night, I'm going to be there because I want to be there. I mean, it's so far back, but the commitment was there. It wasn't that difficult for me because I had nothing else to do with my time. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it wasn't, uh, it was maybe about a year and a half, maybe, yeah, maybe like 16, 17 months then, and I still remember the exact day it happened. There was a big shift in the group, and uh, this one individual, uh, he, he said he just broke down, and he shared with us what was going on in his life. I think in that night, 
it all it kind of hit all of us you know, in a sense that this could be a place where we are vulnerable and we can we've had we've laughed a lot we've never cried a lot together and I feel like that night it shifted in our group it, you know, it's not gonna come like right away too so you know it it just has to naturally happen you know so it was for me spending time with one person or maybe going to lunch with them or just sitting down to be open in a small group is very um, it could be a challenge in the beginning you know the the more genuineness that I saw from the group every time I went to go hang out with you guys and get more into the Bible helped propel me to become even more open than I already was um, yeah I, th I think for me the biggest impact is that I have a group of guys that I can always go back to and rely on <clears throat> um, any time in life you know that that, that hey I just I'm feeling down right now I need you guys to help me pick me up and things like that or like I'm so happy right now and I want to share it with you guys <laughs> things like that or like you know hey I found out something new let's go and enjoy it together <laughs> things like that you know that just a group of guys that I can just kind of get together and hey let's go and do something new or bounce stuff you know like things I mean at the core I think the gospel is about relationship but just to see that we all are kind of intertwining with one another in a relationship I think that definitely brings glory to God and it's just overwhelming and makes me happy another, another thing is about small group that kind of like impact our lives was just how we can see the growth in every single one of us yeah, throughout the years. It yeah. was just it was just mind blowing. One, uh, the small group leader. I, I felt like growing up my whole life, like people always told me what the Bible said. The impact was from Greg where he allowed us to discover on our own. And I was actually learning for myself. You don't have to feel forced to, kind of just lean on it, go in when you're comfortable, and just take a chance, and it's not going to hurt, because we're not here to judge, we're here to walk through life together. When you don't know anybody, it's a lot easier to not go. One of my biggest fears was, I felt like I had too much baggage coming in, like, oh, I don't know anything about the Bible, I've never studied the Bible before, they're probably going to think I'm stupid, I don't think I have good things to say. I'm not insightful. I'd probably guarantee you that you're not alone, especially in that group. Two or three people in that group are probably going to have the same exact feeling that you have. So don't worry. They were there for me during my tough times, and they're still here for me now during the good times. And I hope that it continues forward into the future because, um, you know, I, I, w I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have passed up this moment to be in the small group with these guys for, for uh, just about anything. Like, we all have our own personalities, but our group actually had, like, a spirit. And that spirit was up and down sometimes, but, you know, God cultivated it. And you see what God can do. He starts off with a little plant, and then actually a seed, and that plant kind of grows into a tree. And we kind of just branch out, and then we can keep cultivating. So, it's pretty sweet. Imagine the group was a living 
entity, you know. It was growing, and, you know, like Matt said, you know, it was growing, it was nurturing, and, you know, it's something I would never regret joining, and uh, I won't ever hesitate again to say, yeah, let's do it.